Coach MJ. Welcome to the next Mission I'm Possible show. Today we have on our show the president of the National Speakers Association for the Central Florida chapter. He's an author, he is a professional speaker, and he is a world traveler. To give you a little bit more insight, I'd be taking his steam away, and that's the last thing I want to do. Mr. David Blake is on the show. Welcome, David. Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. Uh, I'm looking for a great conversation as always. Wonderful. So, David, to kick it off here, you uh, you have quite a story, and of course, you've got a way that you're going to unpack that for us today. So, I'll just give you the microphone and let you go at it. Sounds good. Let's start here. Have you ever felt like you were coming from behind? I mean, way behind, like the event was this morning and you just realized it's one o'clock or you felt buried by something with no end in sight and no light ahead. Sure, we've all fallen into a hole at some point, whether it be in business, finance, personal health, or something else. Well, I've had plenty of those experiences, but the biggest one was getting poisoned. No, I'm not a spy or a double agent, although Blake, David Blake, sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Uh, well, let's start here. When I was 40, I was doing pretty well in life, just became a master level scuba diver, happily married, and my company was number one in Chicago for the fifth year. So I was looking at my what's next. Then a couple of days before Christmas, I started celebrating my first day off in 22. You know the kind of day when nothing's getting you off the couch, the bathroom seems a little too far away, and you would tip just about anything for somebody to come in and set up food right in front of you. And then the dog gives you that look, followed by the door dance. I looked at my wife, Lisa, she looked at me, and I got my shoes and coat. But while walking the dog that day, I slipped on the ice and broke my ankle. Now, had anybody seen it, I would have been booked on America's Funniest Videos hands down. But the hole in the snow that day was about to become an avalanche. Get your shovels ready because we didn't have another day off for three and a half years. Turns out surgery followed after a two, two week delay because of the holidays, and they didn't consider this an emergency surgery. But it did give me time to work on my one foot dance moves. All that being said, I should have heeded the warnings on the day of surgery because it was a blizzard. Remember, this is Chicago. But we made it in, and two hours later, success, or so we thought. The doctor came out and told Lisa that everything went perfect, and I'd be back to normal activity within a couple of weeks. And then I woke up, and Lisa knew immediately something was wrong. I couldn't even hold myself up. 
My speech was off like a college student at Mardi Gras. But their only stipulation was to be able to urinate and not on myself, which I could do. So it must be the anesthesia and home I want. Day two got worse. And day three, I couldn't even walk, talk, or hold myself up. The doctors were slightly baffled, but not really concerned. This began a three and a half year, as I mentioned, with no days off. A year in a wheelchair with hundreds of tests, scans, and more doctor's visits. One group of doctors even gave me five months to live. Imagine what you would do if somebody looked you in the eye and said, you've got five months. Have a good day. All this was going on. Meanwhile, I'm spending tens of thousands of dollars. My company is crashing and most of my clients either got spooked or just needed tending and I wasn't in a position to help them out. And I hadn't shared my goals or vision with anybody that could. So-called friends and some family just couldn't see me like that, and I've never seen them again. Here's a story about another guy that fell in a hole. He looks up and he sees a doctor walk by. And he says, Doc, can you help me out? And the doctor writes out a prescription, drops it in the hole, and he keeps on walking. Then he sees a priest walk by and he says, Father, I'm in this hole. Can you help me? And the priest writes out a prayer, drops it in the hole, and keeps on walking. Then he sees a friend walk by and he says, Joe, Joe, I really need you. Can you help me out? And the Joe jumps in the hole. And the guy says, are you nuts? Now we're both in the hole. And Joe says, yeah, but I've been here before. And I know the way out. And today, I'm here to tell you, check your phones and make sure you have some Joes in your phone. And I'm also here to tell you that there is a way out. And I'm here to help you with that. Wow. That was an intro. Uh, let me just climb out. I was in there with you, uh, as we all were. What an incredible journey you've had, David. Um, I, I really appreciate all honors to you and, and, and blessings be upon you uh, going forward. That must have just been. Thank you. No one could probably even imagine what that was like. So I won't even pretend uh, to even say that because that's ridiculous. Something that you uniquely went through, you uniquely experienced all of the frustration, all of the humiliation, all of the helplessness, all of the hopelessness, and to have courageously climbed out of that hole without anyone throwing you a prayer because I doubt you even got that. I think what you did was you were probably counted out. And once you're counted out, 
the, the herd just continues to pass by and there's the injured gazelle at the end of the field. So that is so a good summation of everything that went on. Yes. So I, I salute you and my hats off to you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pleased to have you on the show because what a lot of people don't know is that you're president of this chapter of the central Florida national speakers association. You're a professional speaker. And as yes, a professional sir. speaker, um, you might have, I don't know, there could be some people out in the audience today who are listening, either seeing this on YouTube or listening to it on the where they get their podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and they're thinking, well, wait a minute, how how can I become a speaker? Do you need to have, do you need to be poisoned in other, to, to, to have this happen to you? Or how did you become a speaker? Tell us that. Well, you don't need to be poisoned, and I certainly wouldn't recommend it. Uh, all you need is a story and or a passion about something that you find to be a teachable moment, a story that needs to be heard, or something that you feel others can gain from. Uh, once you've got that, then you can start developing who your audience is, how do your story comes together, and how you're going to get it out to them. So how I became a speaker is a long convoluted story, but I've been an actor, a DJ. Uh, I was thrown into speaking, believe it or not, the first time uh, because the keynote speaker was late from the airport, stuck in traffic, and the meeting planner grabbed my arm and said, get out there and fill time. And that really is what kicked off because they knew I could command an audience. I already had the ability to interact, facilitate, and do those things. But this was the first time I would say I was speaking and getting paid for it, even though that's not what they hired me for. Uh, later, I became a college professor for 12 years. So all of it just kind of grew out of that. Wow. So I guess uh, you probably have another story to share with us because we've just come out of the pandemic and I don't think too many speakers were very active. Uh, what did you do? You know, that's uh, an interesting thought. A lot of speakers gained uh, a lot of momentum during the pandemic because of being virtual. A lot of podcasts were started, webinars began, and facilitation really grew in an online or hybrid platform. Those speakers that weren't able to adapt and only got used to or their home was on a stage in front of thousands of people or even tens of people in a classroom setting. Those people had a harder time. Uh, but with the power of the internet and uh, uh, adaptability, some speakers actually gained momentum during the pandemic. But for most of us, whether we did well or not, it gave us time to hone our message, work on our books, or tailor 
to a new audience and maybe even weed out some of the old material that kept coming up. So it actually gave us an incentive to change or adapt in multiple ways. And you, you mentioned that you, something about Chicago, that's, that's basically where you had your business before you mentioned uh, you were successful. You were the top, one of the top business for five years. You won the award five years in a row. How did you then handle the, the transplantation and why to, to Florida? What, what, what brought you to, cause I think you're in Key West now. Is that what's behind you? Is that one of your boats? Uh, that is one of the favorite places. And that's where that background is from. I do corporate retreats in Key West and some of the other islands. Uh, so it really fits the, the mentality and what I do. I'm also known as the flip-flop philosopher. So you can't uh, be the flip-flop philosopher and not have a beach setting behind you. I but to not. answer your question, no. To answer your question about how I got to Florida, when somebody tells you you've got five months to live and you're in the middle of Chicago winters, you quickly start looking around and saying, where would I rather go if this is going to get worse? And Florida had my name. I had lived here before I knew some people. I knew the territory and there was no more ice except in your glass. So we headed to Florida to die or recover one or the other. And uh, that's how this became home. Wow. Amazing. Well, welcome to Florida. It looks, it looks like Florida saved your life. More or less it did. Uh, you know, uh, when you're in a dark place like that, to me, there's no better place than sunshine to brighten your day and shine some light on what is next, what's ahead. You know, I'm going to ask you to go back in that hole just for a moment. And the reason sure. I going to do that is because, as you say, um, during the pandemic, a lot of people had a hard time. They, they weren't able to pivot. They weren't able to adapt. Some of them are still in trouble today, and they feel like they're in a hole. When you were in your hole, um, if you don't mind sharing, because you made a very beautiful presentation about it, um, and made, you made us all feel good, and you made us all feel uh, nice, warm, and fuzzy, but how did you really pull yourself? Did you did you turn to faith? Was it was there something that you can help those people that are out there just maybe grab a hold of something? Uh, absolutely. Here is what I turn to. I turn to goals, and I have a program. Goals get you out of holes uh, because when you have something, whether it's faith, whether it's a a hobby or a destination that you can set your sights on and you can see it, feel it, taste it. And every waking moment surrounds that thought, that goal. It gives you the momentum to keep going. And the light shines brighter the closer you get to that goal or that destination you're looking for. Then once you're at the, the 
point of you made it to the top, you're at the edge of the hole, goals will keep you from falling back in the hole because they keep that forward momentum going. And you want to pick a goal that takes you further than you've ever been before. Because if you fall, you're not falling back in a hole. You, you use that as a sports metaphor, as a, a yard line or a marker of where you are now. You can always look behind you and see where you came from. But people get discouraged when they fall again, thinking, oh, here we go. I fell. I, I'm in trouble again. But they lose sight of how far they've come. And that is where the goals keep pulling you forward. You keep seeing that. Uh, so another thing. Go ahead. Having something to look forward to, having a bigger something to look forward to really was your, your testament to 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 finding an inner power within you to to help you stay stay with to help you breathe out of this. Yes, exactly. So for example, some of the things I had as goals were to get back on stage. I wanted to meet people like Jack Canfield, for example, uh, who was a mentor of mine, but we had never met. And using his principles, his teachings helped keep me focused on my goals. That's uh, the uh, chicken soup guy. Is that right? A chicken soup for the soul, the uh, success principles, and many others. Exactly. Right. I've, I've uh, heard about him in a restaurant somewhere, but it had nothing to do with the restaurant. It was just a table. Understood. Sure. Uh, one of those names that may pop up in conversation now and then. So meeting people like him getting back on stage, biking the Florida Keys. Uh, it's 100 miles from one end of the Keys to the other. Those are some of the goals I had my sights on. I wanted to triple my income from when I was doing uh, well before, but I wasn't where I wanted to be. So, Again, all of the things I set my sights on were higher than anything I had ever done before. So hang on a second. Let me, let's get this straight. We have you being extremely impacted by this poison chemistry in your body that debilitated you physically. Yes. Uh, and emotionally and, and mentally. And then Correct. we have a doctor doing a almost an, a post-mortem saying, you know, don't make any plans. You're not going to be here in five months time. Quite and literally. They, they and, told me to go home and get my affairs in order. So hang on a second. How do you then go and make goals from that? Uh, it's not easy. And it certainly didn't come immediately. You know, you have to go through the stages of, what just happened? Is this real? Where am I now? So the first goal was, do I want to, if I'm going to die, do I want to do it here in Chicago with the cold, the snow, the misery? No. So I set my sights on where would be more comfortable. 
uh, Florida was that destination. I also set my sights, and this is where those bigger goals get bigger. Um, I wanted to learn to walk again. I wanted to drive a convertible down the Florida coast. Uh, I wanted to have a semi-normal life again, not to mention the fact I wanted to make it to six months, not just five, <laughs> you know. So I was reading there, something about your story, and, and you mentioned about walking because you couldn't, and speaking, you had to reteach yourself to talk. Exactly. Uh, as I mentioned, by day three, I couldn't walk, talk, or hold myself up. <clears throat> I had all the symptoms of a massive stroke, ALS, uh, MS, some pretty horrible things, but I didn't have the actual markers in my brain of any of them. So that became a bigger mystery all in itself. Because oh, hang on a second. So now yeah. anyone who's listening in probably wonder how did David Blake get on this show? He was faced with the impossible and somehow managed, somehow. We're going to dig into it more, but I like what I'm hearing so far. Somehow, through his own personal strength, some of his background, philosophy, some of the mentoring that he had, some of his own just get to it is he found a way. He made some new goals, and he refused to give up. And that's a powerful, powerful testimony on how somebody can turn the impossible into I'm possible. I salute you, sir. Well, thank you very much. And I, I don't want to give anyone the idea that it was easy at any time. I know. But again, when you've got something to look forward to, when something draws you, uh, imagine your favorite person, uh, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a, uh, an old friend, or maybe it's your, your dog and you've been away on a trip. That excitement of coming through the doors to see that person, to see that pet, um, it excites you. It draws you in. That is a, a small piece of what you get out of goals. You start looking forward to it. Like um, imagine back when you were a kid and you wanted something for your birthday or for Christmas, or some, you were going to see somebody uh, at a theme park. You couldn't stand it. You could hear the music. You could describe that gift that you wanted so bad. You knew the color. You knew what it was going to smell like. And it just brought joy to your whole being. And right now you're probably thinking, yes, that I know what that item was. And if you do shout it out, but um, that's the kind of feeling you feel it, you smell it, you taste it. When you get to that point, it overrides the obstacles. It starts targeting you directly towards your uh, path. Even if things get in your way, you find a way of 
getting around those obstacles because you're laser beamed on the outcome. I think, uh, I think that's, that's really, really hard for most people to be able to understand, even though, you know, all of us have been exposed to life coaches in a box that say, Hey, do affirmations. Hey, visualize the future. Hey, you know, imagine a better time and all of this, but you were pinned to the ground. You were, you were condemned. And what right did you have to find hope? And who were you to be so ostentatious, so arrogant to come up with goals like doing a hundred miles on the keys or three times your income before this happened? That's just ludicrous. And I'm sure you didn't have your family members rallying around you going, hey, you can, you got this, Dave. Of course you can. Because you must have sounded like a complete <laughs> maniac to other people. And that, going through that's it. a great point. That's a great point. And that's where in the story, when I told you, Joe jumped in the hole with the guy. Yeah, find the Joe. That's the kind of people you want to surround yourself yeah. with. Because I also mentioned, no, and it doesn't take many. Imagine just having one Joe in your corner uh, when you need something and Joe appears, whatever it is, however big or small, these are the kind of people you want to have in your phone. These are the kind of people that you want to surround yourself with, even if it's only one person that has your back that understands where you're trying to go and doesn't knock you. You know, when you're in a hole, people try and comfort you. It's going to be fine. You're going to like it here. You got uh, this. Yes. You know, and they, they kind of keep you in that hole. They might even bring you beer and help you decorate and say, well, good luck, dude, as hey, they Hey, and let leave me know you. if I can do anything for you. I'm here. Right. These aren't the kind of people that I'm talking about. And as you mentioned, whether it's friends, family, sometimes they think they're helping by keeping you comfortable in that place. Do you know that even Amazon will deliver nearly anywhere so wherever you find yourself, you can still find those comforts that make this whole feel like, okay, I belong here. Hey, look, I've got a skylight. You know, uh, it's very easy to become comfort, comfortable when you've fallen because Everything seems so difficult that you look yeah. around and say, yeah. well, I guess easy, I live here now. The, very easy to be the patient. Yeah, I, I'm injured. Therefore, I'm not capable. Therefore, I accept this. And then you graduate into learned helplessness. Correct. Correct. And again, could be in business. Maybe your business failed. And you start thinking, well, maybe I was going for a too big of a business. Maybe I bit off more than I could chew. So you go back to a lower level and try and get comfortable there. Uh, 
Uh, maybe it's in finances. Something came along like a pandemic, knocked you off your pedestal, and now you're having a difficult time with finances. So you start paring back and say, well, uh, let's just get comfortable here and not uh, overextend ourselves and not think about uh, where I was. And the next thing you know, you're at a lower level in your life than you would like to be. And then? And then you either disappear, wither away, or again, you just you start setting up camp. This is home now. Because you stopped uh, asking for more. Because you correct. stopped believing that you could. Because you accepted what other people told you was the inevitable. And based on that, it would be real easy to realign your potential altitude with where other people think you should be, which is where you then believe that you are. And that's where you get stuck. Yes. Look at it in the sense of if you work in an office and you're up for a promotion and so is somebody else, that other person may try and convince you that you're not ready. You're not, uh, you don't have enough time or experience. You haven't been doing this long enough. Just sit back and wait your turn. Well, they, you know, keep trying to go ahead. Family can do the same thing. Well, you know, you've got big ideas, Dave. Uh, why don't you just be happy with what you've got? Maybe you should uh, practice that a little more before you put yourself out there. People are trying to be nice in most cases. Some are sabotaged, but they're trying to make you feel better by keeping you at a lower place because it maybe makes not them more. In, in, in all fairness, Dave, maybe they're not realizing that they're correct you to, to be at that level. Maybe not. So correct. Let's forgive them because for they think they're helping. They yeah. don't realize what they're doing, but you can start realizing the patterns in these people right. and you can start connecting with them less. You can start deleting them from your phone. And before we do all that, and let's just kind of look at it from a different perspective. I've enjoyed this extremely interesting conversation. And for many reasons, uh, you know, you're, you've gone through this incredible journey and thank you for detailing it, giving us a little bit more depth today. Anyone out there who's going through something, who's been through it, and maybe still feels stuck. Um, what I got from meeting my esteemed guest, David Blake, today was that it doesn't matter what somebody else said. And that somebody was an authority on health, a doctor. I mean, you have the ability to have the guts, the gumption, the grit to write your own damn story. And that's what David did. And he didn't listen to anybody else's script, advice, or their editing, take this out or take that out. He put all his words in because that was the story he wanted to live. And look what he's doing today. David Blake, 
the, he turned everything into a flip-flop and flip-flopped it all around. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Mission on Possible. We'll be putting the links into uh, your episode when it comes out so that uh, any any company or retreat or thinking about a retreat or somebody with your uh, mindset would add value to their team to get in touch with you. Thank you so much for being possible on the real Mission I'm Possible show. God bless. You've got to thank you, sir. Thank you very much.